Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast. My name is Jake Eichert, and I am the Community Groups and Creative Director at Mission City Church, as well as the host of this podcast. Each week, you can find full-length sermons, five-minute sermon breakdowns, and inspiring conversations with guests about discipleship, current events, local outreach, and more. Our mission as a church is to make Jesus known, and we pray that this podcast does just that for you. If it does, please subscribe and share. But for now, please enjoy this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast Thursday edition. We have a bit of a one-off, not in the midst of a series um, episode today, but I thought it would be fun to just sit down with Russell Schultz, uh, who's the lead pastor of Mission City, if you're not aware. Um, He's kind of a big deal. Uh, I believe on Sunday, or one of our our first uh, message in this last series, he said, uh, I am Russell. And it uh, just made me think of I am Groot. Uh, but hey, Russell, <laughs> how how are you? It's just me not knowing how to transition is all that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know what? That's all right. That's all right. I'm uh, doing great. I'm uh, leaving to go to uh, one of our partners in a few hours. Uh, Going to go to Brazil. So yeah, that's awesome. We're excited to uh, see what ministry is happening down there. We partner with uh, a couple who is helping to to plant churches in the Amazon. Uh, and so, yeah, that's a really cool opportunity. And I'm excited to hear back about what the, the Lord's doing down there in Brazil. Yeah, it's going to be sweet. Yeah. Well, uh, I got a quick story for you. Okay. Um, have you ever been to the DMV? <laughs> The DMV, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. The Department of Motor Vehicles. I've been to several, yeah. uh, three different states. Yeah. So I've recognized over time that the process for getting into the DMV has changed, and it feels like it changes every like because you know you know, you know there's only so often they have to renew like your license or whatever to actually go in there. Correct. Thank goodness they do like online. It's amazing for renewing yeah your title and everything now. But um, in order to get so I, I need to get a new license uh, and I just recently realized that you can now make appointments at the DMV. Uh, but I wanted to make sure like I had the right documents and everything, you yep. know, like, uh, cause there's nothing worse than what my experience previously was waiting in that line. And then you get called up there and you don't have the right papers. And which like, I feel you, like everyone has experienced that. Yes. And if exactly. you haven't, you should just try it sometime to see oh. the shade that you, will you want to waste an entire day. It's that's amazing. how you do it. It's amazing. So, uh, I, I sent, um, well, and also like, God bless the people that work at the DMV because they have to put up with just like, I, I think the worst, like they, I mean, customer service is difficult just in general, but like that, that's gotta be not a fun job. And I feel like they intentionally find the people that are like the most, um, I don't want to say like they don't have personality, but they're like just kind of even keeled or like just neutral yeah. about most things. Yeah. Uh, well, so I, I wanted to make sure I had the right documents ahead of time. So I sent an email. They have an email address that you can like kind of confirm these things with. And so I'm like telling them like, hey, these are this is what I do have. I noticed that your website says these are my options. I just want to make sure that this works because it doesn't exactly line up um, with what your options are. But I think it's kind of a good workaround or whatever. And basically they came back with like – so I gave like a number of different options of what I could do. And the, the response was basically just like, that works. Okay. Uh, I asked multiple questions and Which I got one? one answer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, I got that going on, uh, and I got an appointment on Monday. I'll, I'll check back in with you guys to see, uh, how it goes, <laughs> but well, Hey, we're not here to talk about customer service today. What we are talking about is an expansion kind of on the sermon series that we have leading up to Easter. It's called mosaic. And oh. I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's somewhat based around a book that you've recently read, um, 
And you want to talk more about kind of just the idea of the series in general? Yeah, sure. Uh, it is based on a book. I can't remember the name of the, the full title of the book, but basically uh, a mosaic is like a, a piece of artwork that is created by small little pieces that make up the whole. And so uh, the series is about the mosaic of atonement. Uh, basically atonement is uh, someone covering your sins or wrongdoing. And so what did Jesus atone for on the cross or what did Jesus cover for or pay for on the cross is what the series is about. And um, in the church, uh, or at least in like systematic theology, they've created these views called atonement uh, theories or views uh, that have influenced the way that people think about what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And so what this author does is that he takes four of them and most people instead of what they would do is they take they'd have the view that they believe and then they would argue about why these other popular views aren't the same or aren't, aren't correct. What this author does is he takes all four of them and he shows how they work together in a mosaic or in a, like small pieces of a whole that aren't viable for one another, um, for, um, yeah, for us to see the, a fuller complete, not, not completed because there's so much more than just these four views, but just a, a more complete view of the cross. Yeah, I love that. So if you're listening to this, you're in the Kansas City area, you want to come check that out, we'd have, we'd love to have you. Uh, you can find out more information about kind of what we do on the beginning or end of the podcast, but at 10 a.m. Uh, at the Marion Community Center here, uh, suburb of Kansas City. But um, yeah, so I'm super excited about the series. I think like I was... I love that idea of there are different perspectives and we kind of sometimes latch on to the one that makes the most sense to us and we sometimes forget or lose sight of just the idea that there are, there are other perspectives that actually give me a fuller picture of what is happening here. So I think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, and also too, like scripture describes, you know, does describe what Jesus does in different ways. And so a lot of it helps to do, do with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to rehash the entire sermon. You can find that on this podcast feed. Um, I believe the first one is the heart. Uh, it's called mosaic yeah. heart. I actually, I actually went out of order. Uh, oh. uh, mostly because, uh, the person teaching this week wanted to really teach the, 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 uh, the feet is what it, this one is. So there's the feet, the heart, the head, and the hands are the four wow. things. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. So, uh, there you go. Breaking news. Breaking, breaking news, yeah. yeah. Behind the scenes. You get the peek behind the curtain on the Mission State Church podcast. There you go. Uh, well, But like I said, I don't want to rehash the whole sermon. You, again, you can find that here. Uh, what I do want to do is maybe take some things that you had said or maybe some things that you didn't say uh, and just kind of expand on them a little bit or uh, give you an opportunity. Maybe I know that um, you know when we write sermons, a lot of times throughout the week or weeks leading up to that message, you'll have different ideas or thoughts or paths that you think you want to take the message. And then either through divine intervention or just time constraints or whatever it may be, some of those things have to be cut out. And so if there's anything that you uh, really, you know, kind of wanted to say, but it just didn't quite kind of make the final cut. Uh, I want to give you the opportunity to kind of, you know, say any, any nuggets that you have there. And then I've got two questions that I think are big philosophical kind of ideas um, when it comes to our faith and our walk with the Lord and uh, identity a little bit um, that uh, some piggyback off some things that you said. So uh, is there anything just before we get started that comes to mind as far as like, you know what, I, I did want to say this, but it just didn't have time or, you know, for whatever reason it didn't, didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, the, honestly, the going out of order did hurt us a little bit. Um, and I wish we could have gone in order. We could have, I guess, but, uh, just because of how scheduling worked, it didn't work out that way. But um, 
so the the reason why he starts with the feet is uh, it's called uh, the, the the atonement theory is called recapitulation. Uh, it's a fun word, but it, yeah. the word capitate is in there. So it's a it's a or like <laughs> what do you laugh? Uh, well, I just it always goes back to the office for me. It's his kappa was detated. That's that's the that's the <laughs> joke. It's it's a terrible joke, but yeah, his kappa was detated. Perfect. Yeah. So anyway, but the so but it's the it's this idea of like headship, like reheadship. So what it does is that one positions Jesus as the rightful representative of all humanity, and it and it does so in a couple of ways, meaning that we're made in the image of God. We're actually made in Jesus' image, and so. Um, and, and so that theory allows for it to go, all right, so G- Jesus now, as the rightful representative of all, of all humanity, can die in our place because he represents all of us. And so I, I did a little bit of that, like kind of referring to the covenant piece in Genesis chapter 15, like Jesus takes responsibility for Israel's role in that. And, and so in, in dying is a blessing to all people. So he's taking the, the fate of them breaking the covenant, but it just builds on it. If you go, all right, so Jesus is the rightful representative of humanity. And then therefore he can die in our place. And then it's fair because that, that, that's, that just answers the fair question, right? So one of the, one of the, the one that the, the element we talked about with the heart is it's called penal substitution or substitutionary atonement. Essentially Jesus dying in our place uh, for us to have forgiveness of sins and also for us to be restored to the Father. And so, but if you look at it, it's like innocent dying for the guilty. There's no, ju- that, that is not justice. Like that, mm. like any court of law, that's not, like we serve a just God, but it's that's really not just. And so the way it is just is because Jesus is able to represent all humanity because we are created in his image. And there, there's a lot more, like I, there's a whole sermon worth of information that you're, you'll hear that Jerry will talk about this week about that that will prove that, um, but it it uh, it does. I think the so there's that you want you want to comment about that before I move to the second one. Yeah, so I well, I'm really glad that you brought that up because it it sparks in me a thought of like, was there ever? I wonder if in history there's ever been a justice system where someone could offer themselves as to take the punishment of so 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 someone's been found guilty you know court of law and their um, friend family member whoever is like i will almost hunger games style you know like i volunteer <laughs> I volunteer tribute. tribute yeah uh nailed it wow uh yeah so exactly like has there ever been a judicial system where it was like you could just take on someone else's punishment for them and they in in the world would consider that just uh not that I know of. Yeah, so I, I think, like, your point of that's not justice, like, I think that rings, like, that, that hits me because, yeah, I don't know of any, even, like, an example in human history of, like, where you could say, well, like, that is, you know, in this certain system or time period or whatever, like, that would be considered just. Like, it's just not. However, like you were, I think you were leading up to or were saying, like, um, it is just in the sense of like there was a price to be paid and it was paid in full. Well, it is just, it's also just because Jesus is the rightful, uh, like the rightful head of humanity. That's, that's the white, the, the word recapitulation. So Adam is previously the head of humanity being, you know, first human or, 
or yeah, in that way. Yeah. And then Jesus is called the second Adam. And so he, in some ways, takes back headship, authority, responsibility for humanity. And some people make the case that he's the head of Adam as well. And so, it's, again, it's a lot longer of an argument, but just to summarize it briefly, it's so if Jesus is the rightful head of humanity, then therefore Jesus can rightfully die in their place because he is the head. He's the head. Like he's mm. he's responsible for all of it. And then to, to, to couple with that, so because God partners with human beings and takes responsibilities of both covenants, you'll have to listen to the sermon to, to understand that context. But because he does that in another way, he also has taken responsibility and saying, hey, I, I'm taking on, knowingly taking on the possibility of punishment for breaking the covenant for uh, of Israel, which he which they did, and he does on, on the cross. Yeah, which if you've ever been accused of something that you didn't do and then got punished for it, then you know that feeling of like, this sucks. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. if there, you have a kid in the car and that's a bad word, I apologize. But like, you know, this... like That's not fair. It's not fair. Like, right. I, yeah. Um, maybe your kid understands that feeling. <laughs> I, I didn't spill the milk. Um, right. But, you know, like that idea of like he didn't do it, but he gets the punishment anyway because he is actually the one human who didn't sin. Right. Uh, yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, so it's a... Uh, it is a very much so a... Um, it, 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 and it's nuanced, like it's not. It's not necessarily nuanced. It's just it does take some. Um, it does take a lot of time to um, to kind of break down. And so again, the, listen to the sermon after uh, the the first one, week week two of the the feet. Uh, and also, it's all all rooted in that as well. I think the second thing that I get to talk about is some people view substitutionary atonement as like um, like a divine like child abuse like type scenario. Uh, yeah, like God was almost abusing Jesus in the way that he right put him, yeah and I think I think this goes back to like God this is two things number one is he is he is the rightful human res- responsible and then the second thing too is it's God knowingly entered into covenant with 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 humans like he knew what he was getting into and so it's not like this the, so that's one part of it the other part of it too is you'd be very careful in that of 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 how you communicate and not separating too much of the father and the son because there is some trinitarian theology that exists in that that if you're if you're like you're you're almost separating the persons so much that they're not the, the they're they're still not one whereas we're a monotheistic so it still is yes Jesus died on the cross for our sins but God God died on the cross for our sins too so you have to be very careful with this language as well and so uh, but I do think the the the, the reheadship of it is a, is the solution to kind of that answer. Now, if you're gonna think that, you might still think that, but um, because he is rightful, you know, the rightful human representative, he's able to do that and knowingly able to do that. Yeah. So I guess that raises a question for me of like if that's the case, or if you feel that way, where do we land as far as like how much did Jesus know about the cross when he I guess my understanding would be that he chose to come into the world in human form. In some way, God chose to Correct. come into the world in human form in Jesus. And I would imagine, because of that Trinitarian belief, that he also had an idea of what the cross ultimately was going like that was going to be the end. I think. Well, I think the, the garden is the thing that says that, right? So why is he saying, take this cup away from me? You know, uh, he asks, is there any other way? in the garden. Right. And so he's knowing, I mean, no, like knowing and willing yet 
hesitant in some ways because of the pain it's going to be. Yeah. Right? So I would say he would know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the bonus stuff. But yeah. awesome. didn't, it's hard to, it's hard, you know, 35 minute sermon to try to get that. And also, really do want to cover substitution atonement is like, that's the one that we grew up on, you know, mm-hmm. not in a, not in a bad way. It's like, that's the one, if you said, Hey, what did Jesus do on the cross? Jesus died for my sins yeah. and he did. So I could be restored back to the father and he did. Yeah. And it's beautiful and it's powerful. Right. And, uh, it allows me to live, uh, under no condemnation. I get to live freely because of Christ's death and resurrection. Yeah. You might've walked away from that sermon going, wait, there's three more per- like things right. that Jesus did on the cross. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, something else that you, uh, I appreciate you bringing those up and, and sharing those with us. Uh, sure. Something else that we hear a lot in church and that you had mentioned on Sunday, and I want to dig into a little bit. Um, you kind of jokingly like, we're like, we are sinners. Uh, you know, like, or like there was a moment where it was like kind of, I think maybe you were worried that you were giving the impression that we were, that we we're not sinners or something. Like, you just want to get it out of the way. Like, let's all get an understanding of we are sinners. Sure. Um, and I walked away from that. That really gave me something to chew on of like, so I sin. Yes. I don't think that God sees me as a sinner. So I know that in our culture today, like identity plays a huge part. You know, we kind of use this language of I identify as this, or I, you know, um, my identity is in some ways like, you know, this, or I do this, or I am this. Um, so that being said, I started wrestling with just in my own soul, the idea of, am I a sinner? I know that I sin and maybe by definition, you could say that makes me a sinner. However, I almost think that it, there, there you could make the argument and maybe I'll just play devil's advocate and make this argument that like we are doing ourselves a disservice post faith in Jesus to call ourselves sinners because that's not our that's not what we identify as or that's not what defines us um, anymore. I think about are you familiar with the I think it's a children's book um, about the the stars and the dots? I'm unfamiliar with that. Okay, so there's this there's this book that I remember reading as a kid. I think I um yeah, I've read it, you know, not just as a kid, but uh the idea is that like there are all these individuals that are uh toys. They're like these wooden toys in this town and the toy maker um you know, he's kind of the God figure of the story, obviously. Sure. And so, but all the toys, as they do good things, they get stars uh, and they're just like stickers that they put on them. And then when they do bad things, they get dots or when they fail, they get dots, black dots on them. And there's one, so all the people are super concerned with having more stars than dots on themselves. Some people, it's funny because it kind of shows the different layers of society too. There's like this one pocket of people I think that like don't care about getting dots. They're just like, you know, give me all the dots because I'm rebellious or whatever. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I made that up in my head. But anyway, there's this one, there's this one toy, this one girl who, when they try to put stickers on her, they don't stick. So whether she gets dots or stars or whatever, they just don't stick. And the main character meets her and like goes on this journey of trying to figure out like, why don't they stick on you? And eventually he meets the toy maker and kind of the moral of the story is basically like, I didn't design you to get just like good praise or whatever. Like once you start believing in your true identity of who you are and who I created you to be, you no longer have these outward appearances or things that people label you as the stars and dots. They just don't stick to you anymore. Um, and so I, I was thinking about that as like, as sinners, like, or, as, you know, if, if we're, 
are we sinners? Are we not? Like the dots no longer stick to me. Like my identity is not found in those. My the stars don't really stick either because you know my identity is not in the praise that I receive from human beings or anything like that as well. But I'm curious your thoughts. If I'm maybe taking it too far, or am I, you know, where's is there a danger of? Hey, I'm not. I'm not actually not a sinner anymore. You know, like I do sin, but I'm not a sinner. I don't identify that way. I'm saved. I'm a saint actually. Like God calls me His own. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Just what does that language mean to you? Yeah. So I think, um, before I said we are sinners, I did make the caveat how I don't like to start there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, you know, you could say I'm an image bearer. Yeah. I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I've been given dominion, a person with dominion. Right. Right. Um, so in outlining, in outlining substitution atonement, you have to, you have to establish one that God created. You have to establish that human beings are like, we are sinful that I, uh, I was a sinner, right? Or I am a sinner, depending on who I'm talking to, right? So mm-hmm. if I'm talking to you, then how, you, you, I probably would say that you were a sinner, saved by grace through faith. Um, if I'm talking to, to someone that's lost, I would say, no, you are a sinner. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm actually, I agree with you. And I uh, one of the things, my last illustration, I used, talked about O.J. Simpson. Yes. Um, I recall, because <laughs> I, I I was actually a little offended that you didn't think that uh, maybe my generation knows who O.J. Simpson is. It's because you're a football fan, but um, no, I watched the documentary on Netflix anyway. But there's a there. This is the, what you're the, to me that answers this answers the question. So O.J. like the O.J. trials. We this is this was described to me by a professor. So he uh, was conv- convicted of murdering someone. Did, was was found not guilty, I think, and but everyone thought he did it. He just paid he had money to pay lawyers and all these different things as well. And so the the logic you're talking about is like, yeah, I'm saved by grace, but I'm still a sinner. I'm still guilty. And it's like if we do believe that Jesus's death is, is the payment, is substitutionary sacrifice for us in our place for the forgiveness of sins, past, present, future sins. And then, therefore, when I put my faith in him, like, I am now forgiven, I'm restored, I'm a child of God, all these different things. I think, as believers, we actually should live thinking, I'm a saint, I'm a kid, I'm redeemed, I'm seen as holy, and my righteousness is seen as the substitute, as Jesus' righteousness. Still capable of sinning, still broken. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm, I'm with you, actually. Yeah. I love that. And I, I think... I think there's a tradition maybe in church, uh, one that I'm familiar with that, you know, on a regular basis reminds their congregation or their community that you are a sinner, you know, and in need of, of grace. And that even as I'm saying that, I'm like, well, is there anything wrong with that? You know, cause it sounds, it sounds right. The way that it's just been repeated over and over. And I don't want to say that that church is doing something wrong by saying that, but there's a little portion of me that's like, is that almost creating it's kind of what you're talking about and what you mentioned on Sunday, like this insurmountable debt. Like I'm just continuously reminded that I owe God because I'm bad and he makes me like he died for me. And so I owe him if we remind, if we call ourselves sinners over and over. Yeah. I think it's just, uh, we're, it's telling the, the too early of the gospel story, not the, or a part of the gospel story, not all of it. So, you're not finishing it. So if I, yeah, if I remember I'm a sinner, I was a sinner, 
and I still sin. So, you know, you could argue I'm still a sinner in that way. Um, now, I, I'm still a sinner, but I'm seen by God as holy, forgiven, and something else. I think I I think what causes us to not receive like there's no uh, the Romans I think it's Romans eight there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus like so I am not condemned anymore because I belong to Jesus Christ that passage should be so powerful and so preached and should be remembered daily as we preach the good news to ourselves as we remember the cross as we take communion as we go about our days. That should set us free to be the the son, the daughter of God, of the King. That should set us free to, to, to be people of God's kingdom come as will be done on earth as is in heaven. As opposed to what I think happens in different cultures where it's like, no, I'm a sinner. I'm worthless. I'm a piece of... Fill in the blank. Dookie. Uh, <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I do think... Um, I think we just don't tell ourselves the full the full, the full story. We stopped too soon. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's maybe even like, uh, I'm just trying to think as we were talking about like the, like what the response might be. And I think there's maybe a part of us that's like, well, if I, if I, if I, if I lean into that and I just remind myself like, of, you know, I'm a, I'm a saint, I'm, I'm chosen, I'm loved. I'm all those things. It's like, well then I feel bad or I feel worse. I feel shame about like, well, if I'm this way, if this is what I'm supposed to be, then why am I not always that way. Um, and so maybe that's just my, this is, again, I'm trying to bring you and the audience into my own wrestling and, and trying to work through this. But I do think that there's power in the, in identifying ourselves properly and saying, I am a saint. I am called by God. I am a chosen son or daughter. Um, I am loved by the most high God. I am, uh, you know, seen as righteous, um, because of Jesus' sacrifice. And again, there, there's power in that, in that, like, I don't know if this, this isn't really like a, a Christian thing, but like the, the idea of limiting beliefs and that how we limit our potential or who we are as people because we have these beliefs of like, I'm not good enough, I can't do this, like, you know, fill in the blank, whatever. I think sometimes as uh, seeing ourselves as sinners, we can limit our beliefs in that like, well, um, you know, I'm not really like, like God doesn't have, you know, great things for me like i'm super thankful that he he died for me and you know i'm saved or whatever but i'm i'm a sinner like i i really just i need that grace and and that's true but like you also are capable of so much because of the spirit that god has given you and like this grand beautiful relationship and uh experience that god has for you that goes far beyond you're just a mistake or a, s- a screw up that god chose to forgive yeah I- uh, the one thing I would maybe, I don't know if I'd call it pushback, but just, I do think there's an importance to, to acknowledging of the sin, like this, the, the center part of us, um, because it should, hopefully it leads to gratitude. And then the second thing is it, I'm hopefully currently not, uh, undermining like the weight of how evil and how awful sin actually is too. So that's mm-hmm. where we have to be careful mm-hmm. Yeah, is if I'm not, you know, one, I understanding where, you know, where I was, I think it's, but I think it's knowing it's not who I am now. It's who I was that. And then what God has changed me into that leads to gratitude. And then also hopefully freedom, what you were talking about. Uh, but then too, it's like, if as some, a believer now, I think I want to be careful not to, uh, 
let sin abound, if you will. As I think Paul says in Corinthians, where it's like, because I've been forgiven in Christ, should I just go on sinning? And it's like, no, may it never be. Mm-hmm. Uh, that concept is like, that's that's where I have to be careful of. If, if sin becomes something that is so casual, that I don't mm-hmm. even think it's a big deal anymore. Because it's still a big deal. Right. It's still evil. It's still right. ruining God's good world. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, ideally, you seeing yourself as a saint would lead you to like, no, I don't, like that sin is that sin isn't a part of my life anymore right i'm right. not that i'm not an i'm not an addict anymore you know? right i'm i'm recover i'm maybe in recovery or i am recovering whatever uh, sure. the, the proper language is but like I, like i'm yeah i'm not that anymore uh hopefully leads you away from that because you're right uh it is a big deal and we should have reverence for it and we should have gratitude towards god for his forgiveness um on a regular basis yeah yeah Cool. Well, uh, I will wrap up that thought with just a few scripture passages to maybe tie this all together. So if you're curious of like why we, why we might think about this or say it this way. So uh, a couple passages that lead me to the whole like idea of God doesn't see me as a sinner. Uh, this is Ephesians two nineteen says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Second Corinthians five twenty one, which I just love this verse so much. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And then the idea of the fact that like we are we are saints, um, a good reminder of this. Like Paul actually greets uh, in his greetings to churches. I know those are the parts that you just read past and don't think about. You know, like let's skip to the good stuff here, Paul. Uh, but he greets his churches. Uh, he greets the Roman church in uh, 1-7 to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. He greets uh, the Corinthian church uh, to the church of God that is in Corinth to those sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. And the Ephesian church, he says, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. I just think that's powerful uh, that Paul addresses those people in those churches as saints, uh, no longer as sinners. However, still, yeah, they have sin and they're grateful for the sacrifice of God, but they're seen and identified as saints. Yeah. Um, all right. I, I have another thought here for you. And I think this one's a little more abstract and probably a little potentially more heretical. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, help me out here. But, uh, we recently did a, a series over um, the in Leviticus the sacrifices and those all lead up to this kind of day of atonement. Uh, I thought it was appropriate to bring that into this idea of this series being about atonement, things like that. And on the day of atonement, there are all these uh, sacrifices to to make kind of the the entire nation of Israel clean, right? And then there's the idea of the scapegoat that we get from that. There's one goat that goes and gets sacrificed, the other goat gets released. Um, a future picture of what we just talked about with Jesus, which is which is really cool. Um, but thinking about this, I had this idea, this thought that like going into the presence of God is that in some ways similar to going and getting having a sacrifice made for you like in the temple for purification, and and the the way that I want to kind of walk the line here, because I know that we, we talked about in that series how Jesus is the ultimate version of all of these sacrifices, right? Um, and I know, as we just talked about, that when I sin after putting my faith in Christ, I am not seen as a sinner. Like, those things do not stick to me. But there is a consequence to our sin. And there is something that I don't know if you know how to necessarily describe this maybe you can help me put language to this but when i don't spend time with the lord 
when I lean, I, I, I gradually slip back into my fleshly tendencies when I'm not in close proximity with God. And I tend to sin more when I'm not, I think that's just kind of a natural like human thing. So my, what I'm saying is, although I don't think that my sin carries any long-term consequences to it, uh, as far as like my place with God or being seen as a child, got the righteousness that I have, I do think that there's some kind of, I want to be careful with the language I have. I, and I know you probably want me to be as well, but there's a cleansing effect or a, a a cleaning effect it feels like of going into the presence of God. And maybe it's just more so that I see myself in the right light or his presence uh, gives me a, something that I'm longing for, whatever. But do you feel that way that in some ways there's a, a cleansing of like yourself when you go into the presence of God uh, through prayer, through time with scripture reading or meditation or whatever it may be. Am I, is that, is any of that resonating with you? Are you saying like each time we go into the presence of God, like there's a cleansing that's taking place. In a way, yeah. Uh, not that there's not that we need to be cleansed of our sin per se, um, but there is, and maybe this is part of just life. Uh, but it feels like, like I said, so the more like outside of time with the Lord, I'm. I guess in my own experience, I feel like I'm kind of on this uh, slanted uh, hill where like and God's kind of like the 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 rope pulling me back towards the top and I'm, I'm gradually sliding away from him when I don't spend time with him back to kind of this like human fleshly nature that I have. And the more I do spend time with him, the closer I get, the more I'm like him, things like that. And so um, maybe cleansing is the wrong word. I was just kind of using that and like the idea of atonement and that's what, that's what takes place um, for atonement. But sure. um, yeah, it's like more so like I just maybe am more like Christ uh, in that way. More the ebbs and flows of relational connection, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's just true of how, you know, relationship works. You know, if you're take your relationship with a friend or a spouse or a girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, we spent more time with them, intentional time with them. You feel closer to them. If you don't, you spend a lot of time away from them. You might feel <laughs> distant from them. I think that's pretty um, normal. I do. I do think one of the the things um, I can slip back into when I'm far from God is like that I don't have the same access. Um, I think that's 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 not true. I think. God has forgiven past, present, future sins. And there are consequences to sins. Like you might be quenching the Holy Spirit by like certain behaviors and things like that too. But I do think that there is access to God because of his atoning sacrifice on the cross. And it's something that we can enter into instantaneous. And I think the enemy wants to kind of trick us into thinking there is some ritualistic thing or time that has to take place for me to be allowed access again. You know, like when you lock, um, you know, uh, Maisie will take my phone sometimes. Now she knows my password, but early on she didn't. And she'll like lock out my, she'll like lock your phone out. Uh-huh. One time she locked out like one of the iPads for like two, two and a half hours. <laughs> if I didn't uh, catch it in time, like it was like on the final try, like it was going to like lock out my phone or it might be the iPad permanently. And, uh, but I think sometimes we, we view that with sin in our own lives, like, all right, so I've sinned now I've been locked out of my relationship with God or my, my, 
my been locked out of heaven. <laughs> exactly. But you know what I mean? Though like for, you know, depending on how bad it was or how many times or what you know, whatever else it is, or for five minutes or for five days or a yeah. month, you know? So Yeah, it's like um you almost get lost on a path and it's like it's harder to find your way back in, in a sense, or we think that. But uh-huh. it's really like no, like God's with you the whole time. It's just a matter of yeah, turning towards him. Yeah. Uh, didn't think you were going to get any Bruno Mars on today's episode, did you? <laughs> <laughs> or a song from Jake Eichert. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's a pretty rare occurrence for good reason. Uh, so, I want to. I feel like we've 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 answered the question. I, I just wonder if there's like not something still out there that uh, people are thinking about or whatever. Um, if you have any thoughts or ideas or questions about atonement or about the series in general, uh, feel free to send me an email, jake at missioncitykc.com. I love to hear from our listeners and get feedback about what you uh, are, are thinking about or what ideas might be sparked through our conversations. Uh, Russell, is there anything else that you just throughout this idea i feel like there's something else with this like idea of cleansing but i i don't know um i i think let's 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 give it this final thought we are cleansed correct like that's that's the idea is that that jesus and, and you kind of said this like um oh here we go i'm gonna bring it full circle for us so in the idea of the atonement uh blood is sprinkled around the altar in order to cleanse it and to bring life to something that is surrounded by death or it's covered in death, right? The altar is where animals are, are sacrificed. Like death is constantly there. However, life is found in blood, as we talked about in that podcast series and you talked about on Sunday. And so the blood is sprinkled around to for the life to cover the death that's there. Jesus in his blood and sacrifice on the cross covers the death that we are kind of covered in through sin and gives life to that. And our sins are therefore covered as well. Um, and so we do not need a cleansing per se. Uh, but I love the way you put it in that, like we maybe have this idea that like we're locked out, uh, or that we are, are, um, that death idea of death kind of creeps back in. Yeah. Uh, I'm separated. No, but we're, cl- I mean, we are free. We're cleansed. We're forgiven. These are, these are, uh, consistent states that we exist and live in. Yeah. There, I love that. Yeah. 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 Keep going. No, I, I, yeah. No, cons- the consistent yeah. state. It, yeah. Yeah. Cause it feels like you were talking about with relationship before relationships don't feel consistent for the most part in life. Right. There's ups and downs. There's high, like, there, there are moments when you feel very connected to people. There's moments when you don't, it could be the same person that it, it and it's not necessarily based off circumstance or anything. It's just, it's just life goes that way and i think so it's i think it's hard for us to believe or imagine that our relationship with god has this consistency to it where he loves us and he cares for us and he's there and uh regardless of how much time we spend with him whatever but i do think that there's something about going into his presence that we we get something out of it yeah all right i think that's going to wrap us up thanks so much for checking out this episode of the mission city church podcast we'll be back next week to talk about easter super excited uh for that episode but uh in the meantime just know you are loved, you are covered in uh, grace, and we love you guys. Thanks so much for checking out this episode. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Merriam Community Center off Slater Street between Johnson Drive and Shawnee Mission Parkway. 
We also have five community groups that meet throughout the KC Metro. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or send me an email at jake at missioncitykc.com.